This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast, your weekly look into all things Saints FC. Firstly, in case any of you longer-term TSP listeners are wondering, no, this isn't a 2019 episode repeat. As mentioned in last week's pod, Martin is away this week, so having scoured the market for a competent replacement, no one could be found. So you're stuck with me again, Ben Stanfield, founder of Total Saints Podcast, chief bean counter nowadays and part-time host. Thankfully, the rest of the lineup is far more tried and tested this season. It's Glenn Delacour, writer of the League One, Minus 10 blog, owner of Saints Web, Steve Grant, and the Athletics dedicated Southampton correspondent, Dan Sheldon. Evening, chaps. Evening. 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 Oh, there's that enthusiasm I've missed so much. Uh, <laughs> Glenn, let's get started with you. Good week? Yeah, it's a good week. I'd just like to say, this this comeback of yours, is is this like... It's like, take that, isn't it? Is it like Ronaldo coming back to Man United, or is it like, like Ollie Lancashire coming back to Saints? Where, where does it kind of... <laughs> Probably somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, well, yeah. Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's not going too well at the moment, <laughs> is it? <laughs> oh, what, what an afternoon that's been. Yeah, that's, amu- that's amusing, <laughs> isn't it? So, uh, yeah, sorry, original question. Um, my week. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a good week because my other thing that I do, other than football, is... Um, is uh, go and see lots of bands and, and live music and it's the it was my my first visit after it all opened up again so I went down to the joiners and uh, saw a band called the Ratons and a couple of other bands as well who were all really really good and it I just wanted to do a little plug for the local venues really um and, they've, they've know, done well to be able to reopen that place it absolutely like they, they, were, so, they were in they were in trouble before the pandemic yeah, I think so. So you, you know, in Southampton, we've got the Joiners, we've got the 1865, we've got the Engine Rooms, and we've got the Brook. They're all sort of less than a thousand, and in, I mean, the Joiners is only about 200 people, and um, you know, they they need the support of the local people. So if there's uh, bands you want to go and see, or just just for a night out, get get down there and support them because uh, once they're gone, they're gone, sort of thing. And uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it was another thing that reminded me that you need to support the bands as well. You know, so uh, it's not all about just streaming off Spotify. If you want to go and actually buy something, buy something off the band's website themselves, you know, rather, 
website itself rather than just streaming everything. So that's my little uh, party political broadcast for uh, for live music. So that's what I've done this week. So yeah. that was that was pretty good. That's good. Delacour promotions in uh, yeah full working order there. So excellent. And uh, Steve, as is often the way during a, a calendar year, you're out in Dubai again, aren't you? So how's that been? And, and we were just talking briefly before we started. You're at the uh, T20 England match yesterday. Yes, uh, yeah, and you'll be unsurprised to hear it's in, insanely hot. Um, <laughs> yeah, about um, thirty-six today, I think it's been a bit like Scotland. But it, yeah. it, it feels, yeah, it feels about ten degrees warmer at the moment. I mean, I can, I can hear the world's smallest violin being played in the background. <laughs> um, a man goes swimming, gets wet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, the, um, yeah, yeah, went to the cricket last night. It was, it was, it was a weird experience. I mean, obviously the ground was like barely a quarter full because basically they only put the tickets on sale two weeks ago and so anybody who was looking to travel just wouldn't have been able to get over it because um this this time of year um flights to this part of the world are really expensive but where i'd booked mine months ago i I kind of did all right but um yeah they and they were only selling tickets in twos and fours for sort of social distancing reasons because they thought that they thought that was the best way of getting getting more people in um, so they're theoretically operating at sort of seventy percent capacity, but no, they had like five thousand in the ground that holds thirty. So um, it was a, it was a bit odd, and obviously the game was just ridiculously one-sided. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I've seen a, a sort of batting collapse, stroke bowling performance quite like it. But I think we're going to see a few low-scoring games like that in this tournament. Just the, the pitches don't look great, but no, it was a, it was a yeah good experience, and yeah, I've got a. I'm off to uh, Abu Dhabi on Wednesday for the for the second game. That's going to be proper hot because it's a it's a daytime game. So I, I don't know if, don't know if any don't know if you saw the um, the Australia South Africa game, which was at the same ground. Basically, some of the seats are actually on the grass bank, but where they obviously in in the twos and fours that you have to buy buy your tickets in. What they do what they've done is they've basically erected picket fences around little squares where the where people sit in the banks. So right. it looks like basically everybody sat in little sheep pens. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I've got an allocated seat, so I think I'll, I'll avoid that sort of ignominy. But um, we'll see. Yeah, that, that should be interesting. I'll, I love I'll the def- fact you're, you're going to be heading back to Dubai. Yeah, I love the fact you're going to be heading back to Dubai to cool down. Then, so yeah, but yeah. Uh, there we go. So no, perfect. And uh, Dan, long time no speak, certainly in person. And don't worry, I won't publicly mention beating you at golf back in the summer. So, uh, <laughs> um, but <laughs> you all good? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Back to work this week. Well, the week just gone after a week off. And then got distracted by a couple of other stories that my place wanted me to to work on. And yeah, it was good to be at the game yesterday, I must admit. And it was quite an entertaining one for the neutral. Yeah. How drunk did you get at the NFL last week? Pardon? How drunk did you get at the NFL last week? To be honest, the NFL was more of a a come down. I I was incredibly drunk by about 3pm on Saturday afternoon. And it didn't stop until about midnight. And then the thought of a couple... I had about two or three pints before I got to the NFL game. And yeah, I thought I can't drink anymore because I will just end up throwing up (laughs) in in Tottenham South stand, which I didn't want to do. But I mean, it was an amazing game, to be fair. And what one thing that stood out, actually, is because I've I've been to Tottenham Stadium, but only as like a journalist in the press section. How cool like that stadium is, like with the food court and stuff they had. It was just like, yeah, miles ahead of other stadiums I've been in as a spectator. That's, that's what a billion pound gets you, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you can just see how like it's tailor made for American football. And yeah. the, I left that ground thinking of there was ever an example for the Premier League not to allow people to drink. Oh, definitely. Inside the stadium, it was everyone at Tottenham throwing their plastic beer cups down to the front of the stands. I think that was the clearest example they're going to need not to let people drinking. 
yeah, I, I got drenched and a guy two seats in front of me had a cup land right square on the back of his head, oh. which I imagine was probably quite painful. Thrown by Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was my mate, honestly. I know, I know. Well, speaking of food, I know Martin has kept things a, a lot more professional than I tended to, Dan, but it's the, the autumn now, nearly winter. Surely, if not already, Castadel Sheldon is crying out for a slow cooker dinner, Do isn't you know it? Is, is, is the box finally open yet? I don't know where the box is, to be honest. Oh. It must be in the garage somewhere because I've not seen it upstairs. And I, I was talking to my girlfriend about it the other day. Or oh, maybe we should get the slow cooker out. And she was like, do you know where it is? And I was like, no, I don't. She was like, neither do I. So it, yeah. it, it'll be a case of just going to the garage and having a look around. But There's a task for out. this week. It will come out soon. It, it, you know, it's getting to that kind of wet temperature now, isn't it? Totally. Cold enough. So. Yeah, not in Dubai though, but uh, there we go. No, but uh, excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, coming up on the podcast this week, reflections on that 2-2 draw versus Burnley, the upcoming Carabao Cup tie with Chelsea, and also a preview of next week's Premier League trip to Watford, underpinned by our brilliantly committed patrons. This is Total Saints Podcast, episode 173. <laughs> This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Saints' latest Premier League encounter saw the always attractive Burnley arrive at St Mary's, the match eventually finishing 2-2 after a pretty entertaining 90 minutes. Um, Dan, Steve and Glenn weren't holding out much hope on last week's pod for an overly exciting match, but what did you make of it all in the end? I was probably thinking along the same lines as them when I got there like it was just going to be attritional like this is going to be a painful kind of 90 minutes to endure but I was pleasantly surprised it was a bit chaotic at times there was a really good spell and particularly good with the crowd as well kind of 10 minutes before half time when Livermento did eventually score where Southampton just went close like chance after chance after chance which and you just thought is it going to be one of those afternoons and then Livermento to get his goal. I mean, the Redmond miss before that, the, the Walcott miss, which I thought was poor. Yeah, it was just a mad game, really. Like, not not one you'd expect, you know, Southampton and Burnley to play out. Like, you don't, Burnley aren't in too many entertaining games, but it generally was a very entertaining game. I mean, I, I was disappointed by Southampton's performance because I think all that good work they've done defensively at the start of the season, you, you know what Burnley are going to do, yet they still didn't really kind, you know, it was a long ball that ended up with, I mean, Cornet was great, but, you know, I, Southampton know that they're going to be pumping it long. So I was a bit disappointed by that. But yeah, I mean, all in all, it was, a, as I said, an entertaining game for the neutral. Yeah. Steve, one of those could have won, could have lost, but a draw seems all right in the end games or a sense of frustration, do you think? Um, I think mostly the latter. I mean, certainly they had they had sort of two or three presentable chances that they didn't um, didn't take. But the, the bulk of the chances went our way and our finishing was pretty wayward. Um, I mean, we'll kind of give allowances for the for the two that two that hit the woodwork, but yeah, for the most for the most part, our finishing just wasn't quite up to scratch. I mean, we had I think nineteen shots, um, but only four of them were on target. Um, now I think five were blocked as well, so I mean, it's possible that some of them were were possibly on target as well. But I think pff, you've got a I mean, when particularly particularly a side like Burnley who actually aren't actually as good defensively as as is often made out, um, especially at the moment with um with Ben Mee being unavailable. We created the chances and we should have we should have scored three, four, five goals, um, but didn't. So that's that's frustrating. I mean we did score two, 
um, which is an upgrade on most of our games this season. But yeah, it's 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 one of those frust- frustrating ones. But I think bigger bigger picture, last two games are our performance sort of getting towards the final third has been a has been a whole lot better. And I mean, there's a kind of worrying coincidence here that that's coincided with James Ward-Prowse not being in the team. I wonder whether there's something in that. In that, I mean, obviously, I mean, we know we spoke about it last week in terms of Diallo's different attributes. In that he's he's more willing and able to dribble with the ball. Uh, pass players in in that midfield position, whereas Prousey will often lay it off or um, lay it around the corner for somebody, which won't is is probably a probably a lower um, a sort of higher percentage play, but doesn't necessarily um, open up the game uh, quite so much. So yeah, I think Ralph's going to have a going to have an interesting dilemma next week when Prousey's available again to see exactly how he fits all of these all these players into the team because I mean based on these two performances I'm not not really sure you can drop Diallo no I'd agree and uh, yeah we'll come on to talk about that uh, Dan get your thinking cap on because I was going to pick that up with you about if and where Prousey fits in next week etc but Glenn you were at the game as well your general reflections on the 90 minutes and I was interested to get your view um, you know I heard you talking about Gineppo last week and maybe apart from creating the goal against Leeds hadn't done much so were you surprised to see him dropped and or Walcott record um, well I <laughs> I'm not as positive about yesterday's game as other people seem to be. I don't understand. I didn't understand the selection of Walcott. Um, I didn't understand why he stayed on the pitch for 75 minutes because I thought he was mainly awful. So I, I'm not surprised that Stuart Armstrong didn't start because he you know, he just doesn't look 100% fit at the moment. But yeah, the, the inclusion of Walcott was a surprise. I, I think the, the start of the game, Burnley went in with a midfield three and that seemed to cause us a few problems and Diallo and Romeo seemed to struggle to get to grips with that and it wasn't until the the goal went in that they they did start getting to grips with it and we came back into the the game and we got to the end of the first half and we were you know sort of on top for most of it and that was the time when you know we missed all the chances and eventually uh, eventually scored I was very disappointed with the defending as Dan um, pointed out I thought both goals were bad from a Saints point of view um, I mean Liveramento's let Corner, Corne run off the wing. Uh, he's completely unmarked. So whether he didn't communicate with Bednarek or or whatever, at the end of the day, Corne doesn't look doesn't look the biggest, and he's um, he's had a free header and, and scored. And the, the second goal is a standard Burnley goal. I mean, Mr. Deitch will think it's a great goal. It's you know it's a ball up to Wood. He's battled. Ball's dropped to a midfielder. None of our midfielders have picked up. I think it's Westwood. Um, he lobs it forward and the lad's completely unmarked again. Bednarek's wrong side. You know, he, he's kind of there, but he's wrong side. And it's a good finish, to be fair. So they can say it's a good goal. I, I just think that's bad. And, and and against Burnley, you've got to do the basics. You know you've got to head everything and win the second balls and, and you know, keep everybody marked. And, and we didn't do that. And that second goal reminded me very much of the one that Vidra scored against us a couple of years ago when it was a similar sort of thing, just a lob forward from midfield and he smashed it. And uh, so, I was uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was disappointed disappointed I didn't think Ralph managed the game particularly well it, it seemed to be there was one period in the second half where sort of Elianusi came inside and we didn't seem to be playing with a left winger at all and that seemed to stagnate the attack we didn't we didn't seem to you know after it went to 2-2 I never really felt like we were going to um, going to push on and win the game but um, and and at the end I mean personally myself I, I kind of settled for a draw with about 10 to go because I, I felt like Burnley were more likely to score from a, you know another Route One goal than than we were to to carve them open. But at the end of the day, it's a point, and um, it's a you know it's a it's a 
it's another game undefeated. But, you know, I don't think Burnley were great. And I, f- I feel like, you know, we, we should have won. I mean, we've, we've played two, in my opinion, poorish teams the last the last two weeks. We've got four points, which is which is OK. But I do feel like it really should have been six. Yeah, I was going to ask a bit later on, but bearing in mind you've touched on it now, Glenn, why don't we pick up on that? Because do, do you think that's the, a bit of the frustration with Saints fans? Because, yeah, you know, I, I wrote down here, obviously, the fact that uh, he didn't make a change until 74 minutes when he took Walcott off and brought Stuart Armstrong on. Obviously, to a, a great ovation, you could tell the Saints fans wanted Armstrong on. But he almost seemed to imply after the game that he'd done that because Burnley had changed their system and he wanted to almost counteract it. And I suppose that's maybe been a bit of a sense of frustration around the manager the last couple of years is that we don't always sort of take the first step forward. We almost sort of seem to react. And I, I think I would agree with you. I mean, I was surprised Walcott was on for that long. So do, do you think maybe that is the frustration around at the moment a little bit? Uh, a little bit, but to be fair to Ralph, he ha- he has been more proactive this season. There's been a couple of times where he's made made changes at half time, um, and I was surprised to see Walcott come out for the second half. To be honest, I, I thought there would be a change at half time, but uh, but there wasn't. And then the the lo- the longer it went on, it, yeah, then it becomes frustrating when you get to 75 minutes, and he he brought Armstrong on to try and sort of like reignite things because after Burnley got their goal, we we kind of stopped playing and it, it was almost like we didn't react particularly well to, to their goal going in and then Brozier got a knock and that seemed to sort of change things as well. So I'm not, yeah, it, it didn't, for me, Ralph's had good days and bad days this season. And I know people will agree or disagree with that, but for me, he's he's been a little a little bit up and down, and I, I don't think yesterday was one of his better days. Put it that way. Mm, yeah, no, fair enough. Look, Steve, let's uh, get onto some positives and uh, chat about one of the most exciting young players that I think Saints fans have probably seen in quite a while. And believe you me, we've had a, a fair few to choose from over the last twenty years or so. Tino Livramento. I'm um, looking at Scorker yesterday. He had forty four touches, four duels won, four ball recoveries, two fouls won, which was the most, two chances created, which was the equal most. Two shots, which was the equal most, one tackle and one goal. Just how good do you think he is and can become? And how good was it to see him score his first goal for Saints? Of course, he's just 18 years old. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks he looks the real deal already, which is fairly mad given that he's had, what, 10 senior appearances in his, his whole career. And yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the sky is the limit for him but it's it's one of those you, you knuckle you knuckle down you do the right things and and the talent the talent will eventually show through i think and i think that's the the attitude thing is is one of the one of the key things that we obviously we've discussed regarding brogia before because that's obviously been a been a topic but you can see that livramento like his his attitude is absolutely spot on every game uh, there's no there's no messing about it's all right I I know what my job is here and I'm I'm fully prepared to sort of get my hands dirty if I need to and and do do what's necessary but driving forward I've I'm I'm looking looking at how I can hurt the opposition rather than rather than what they're going to do to me because I mean as as we said his his either his marking or his communication for their first goal was not great obviously and I mean that's a but I mean that's been a kind of recurring theme for us with right backs, hasn't it? Over over the last few years, um, Cedric constantly was non-existent at the far post for for crosses into the box, that sort of thing. So it's I guess it's kind of nothing nothing new to us, and therefore you you might expect um, one of the centre backs to um, to be covering a little bit more. But no, I, I think him he's he's had a few quiet games, which I think is to be expected. But generally, when when he plays well, the team plays well. And I think that's that's quite important that there is a recognition of of his importance to this side already, which 
unfortunately doesn't bode well for Carl Walker Peters because actually I don't see how he gets in this team at the moment because why would you move Livramento from right back to right midfield when he's clearly playing so well at right back? And I mean, to be honest, it's not as if our um, sort of wing options are necessarily all playing badly. We're a, we're kind of all right in that position. It's just little little moments in games where we're not quite not quite doing th- doing things. I mean, as Glenn said, Walcott was Walcott was fairly poor. I think wasn't great wasn't great in, in his last game either. But it is I mean, he must be showing something in training to be get to be getting picked. Um, and obviously, we don't we don't see what goes on um, behind closed doors at Staplewood. So, yeah, I mean, I think most people would prefer Stuart Armstrong to be playing. But again, as said, it's it's clear that he's not fully fit yet. Um, so we're going to be easing him, easing him in uh, gently in the hope that we don't break him again. Um, because he's, he's so important to the way that the, way that the team knits together. Uh, we can kind of do it for, for 45, 45 minutes to an hour, but... In order to be able to do it for, for a full ninety, we need him at full at full pace. And realistically, we may even have to wait until after the next international break to see that. And that goal, Dan, as you mentioned earlier, came after a really good sort of five ten minutes or so for Saints, with two glorious chances for Walcott and Redmond somehow missing, um, as well as Tino hitting the post. Of course, um, it was followed by Brozier's second goal in two games early in the second half. Another well taken from uh, finish from a, a player who, like Tino, is really starting to make an impact at Saints. So, you liking the look of him? Yeah, I, I, you can't you can't not be impressed. I think he, I think when he when he turned up, he he sort of had an arrogance yeah, in in the way he played and and without really kind of doing anything or you know he he came and he expected to be starting because he'd come from Chelsea on loan and I think Ralph had to kind of swiftly remind him that that's not quite the case. You know, I want to see you putting effort in in training. If you do that, you'll play um, and you'll start. And now I, I I mean, are there many arguments to suggest that he's not the best? That the strike the club's best option going forward as a striker, you know, scored, outscored both Adams and Armstrong already this season. And I think when he when he ran through, when he well, when he ran through on goal yesterday, and Tino Theo was alongside him. Sorry, I don't think anyone for one second thought Theo was going to receive that ball. That was just clear. Broja had only one thing in mind, and that was scoring. And that's that kind of killer instinct that good strikers have. And he, he's only young, of course, and. It's kind of let's not build him up too much, but you know, what I've seen of him so far in games that, especially in the Premier League, I mean, he definitely threw off, threw off that that yeah. Carabao Cup die. He didn't fancy that at all. <laughs> um, but in the Premier League, I mean, if that's what he thinks his stage is, he's he's only been impressive in in my opinion. Um, I thought he was good against West Ham when he came on. Didn't see Leeds. Obviously, I've seen the goal. Um, and then yesterday, he was impressive. And I think when he went off, you could tell he he was off the pitch. Um, Ralph kind of said after the game that it, it, what his kind of ankle issue, I think Ralph said it was, was, was nothing too serious and he should be fine. So that's important. But he's gone from, you know, coming in with a bit of an attitude problem to probably the first striker Ralph writes down on the team sheet. So that, you know, he deserves credit for kind of turning that around. Because once Ralph does get an opinion of a player, it's quite hard for them to turn it around. Um, well, Adam, Adam Armstrong's an interesting one with that, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah. But um, and no comment needed, Glenn. But it did make me feel even older that uh, Tino and Bruges' uh, combined age is thirty-eight. So that's still two years <laughs> less than mine, to be honest. So even I feel old. So uh, there we go. But um, just, just finally, then, Dan. Um, sort of, Glenn mentioned it earlier. I mean, all in all, that's four points from Leeds and Burnley over the last week or so. Do you think that's okay to build on, or do you think Saints should have been getting six out of six, really, based on the fact that both those teams almost turned up? not really you know, wanting to sort of attack Saints too much. I think you'd like 
to say six from six. I think Burnley were there, as, as Steve said, Burnley were there for the, the kind of taking yesterday and had either Redmond or, or Walcott scored, you, you'd probably imagine Saints would go on and win that game. But it, it's weird and I've kind of reflected this in my piece. You kind of feel like when they when they hadn't won a game, you know, because of the teams they were playing, you kind of wondered whether you know, how much pressure were they under. Now all of a sudden we're in a in a really ironic way, a, a run of games where the expectation is that they're going to be winning these games because they're playing Burnley, Norwich, Watford, Villa will be a different, difficult game. But the expectation is that, that, that they should win those games. So it's like a, a weird, it's funny how football works like that, you know, that you could argue, is there more pressure now than there was three weeks ago, even though they've won a game because they're playing teams that, you know, we all, we all think they should be beating and they're their kind of direct competition. For me personally, I think, you know, four points out of six is a fairly good return if they can go and build on that and beat Watford. I think, yeah, but then Watford got a good result as well, didn't they, at the weekend? So that game is now it doesn't look as easy as it may have done two weeks ago. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting how how it pans out against Watford and I mean Norwich. If they don't beat Norwich, then I think we should just pack up and go home. To be honest. <laughs> Famous last words. You're listening to the Total Saints podcast, going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Well, after back-to-back home matches for Ralph Hasenhutl's side, it's now back-to-back away trips this week. Thankfully, neither are too far from home, but combined, they've just scored 12 goals this weekend, exactly what we need. In a moment, I'll get the guys to give their thoughts ahead of the Watford match next weekend. But before that, Saints travel to Stamford Bridge on Tuesday night for the Carabao Cup round of 16. Chelsea themselves expected to be without Romelu Lukaku, Christian Pulisic and the German Shane Long. Glenn's wears not mine, Timo Werner at the very least, just like they were in their 7-0 win over Norwich. Glenn, well, Saints will obviously want to continue their cut run if they can. Is this a bit of a free hit for them? Um, I think it's a game where we're going to play all the squad players. So you're going to see all the ones that are not in the team at the moment. So you're going to see the likes of Forster, Walker-Peters, Lianco, Teller, Armstrong and Adams. You, um, Adam Armstrong, that is. And um, and Che Adams. You're probably going to see all of those. But it's it, you know we can still put a fairly strong team out on the pitch. I, I don't see us putting our you know, first choice league side out. I, I assume Brozier can't play unless the Carabao Cup has some say, yep. Yep. strange rule. So I think first and foremost, it will be a case of giving those players a game. Um, if if we win, it's a bonus. Chelsea will obviously rest some as well. But, we, you know, we all know the the strength of Chelsea. I mean, I, I, I see this game as a scouting trip for next season. We'll see some more <laughs> Chelsea Academy players and see, see if there's any coming to the end of their contracts And uh, because uh, they seem to be our best players at the moment. So, uh, yeah, let's keep that strategy going until next season. But, uh, but as, as for the game itself, I, I kind of see it as a free hit. I'm not expecting us to win. But if we do, great. You know, the... Um, just with the Newport game, I think Dan touched on this, and it's, it's, and it's a very good point. The, the players who came in looked like they were, they all had a point to prove. You know, they all wanted to prove that they should be in the starting lineup. And now you've got Brozier and Eli Nusi, um, probably amongst others, who who are now fixtures in that starting lineup. So people should be looking at this game, especially the ones that have recently dropped out of the side, like Armstrong and Adams, as, as a chance to really stake a claim to get back in. Because there are places up for grabs, but you, you have to um, you have to put in the performances in games like this. So it's, um, it, it's certainly got something riding on it individually for players, but it's not going to define our season, whether we... Uh, you know, if we get beat by this uh, by by Chelsea, albeit both sides will likely make changes. Steve, what do you think Saints and Hasenhutl took from the recent Premier League game there that they might be able to use in this match? 
Um, difficult to tell because what we're going to be up against is going to be so very different. I mean, as you say, Lukaku and Werner are unavailable, although realistically they wouldn't, they probably wouldn't have played anyway. And Chelsea do have just a vast variety of different ways that they can hurt you. So I wouldn't necessarily expect Chelsea to set up in a in the same way that they did in that league game. As as you say, we're probably we're probably going to make a number of changes ourselves. So the system may our own system may change. I wouldn't expect us to start with certainly wouldn't expect us to start with the system that we played the second half in. Um, where we made the change and went with went with three at the back, but I mean, who knows? I mean, if if Lianco is going to play, then I think realistically, you probably want you probably want centre halves. Defenders. Well, yeah, you, you, you probably want centre halves either side of him, giving him a bit of support. And you know, I guess with that, you probably have uh, Walker Peters bombing down bombing down one side, and I mean, I guess I guess you might argue stick Valerie on the right. Um, Walker Peters on the left, perhaps, to give them some games because they've not played at all. Whereas, obviously, uh, Perro is seemingly a, a fixture at left back now and has, has been absolutely fine. I think um, so. They might want to might want to give him a little bit of a rest. But I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be one of those where ultimately the way the game pans out will largely depend on how seriously Chelsea take it because it may it may well be that they they see bigger fish to fry and and kind of don't quite go as seriously as they need to to beat our sort of first and a half team, if you like. And they squeezed through against Villa down in the last round. Um, I always try to look for positives, don't I? I, I? I know Martin's been doing his best, but prior to that recent 3-1 defeat, Dan, Saints were unbeaten in their previous three visits to Chelsea going back to 2019. So I'm going to try and be positive here. It's been a relatively happy hunting ground the last few years, so Saints need to sort of bear that in mind. Yeah, Ralph's not had an awful record at Stamford Bridge to be honest so yeah you can kind of take that and be and take some confidence from it but I, you know I think Steve really just sort of summed it up there that the, the tie will largely depend on what Chelsea want to do with it you know if Chelsea want to go out and win that game then you know, they've got the players the depth and the quality at their disposal to go and do that regardless of kind of you know Southampton could play their strongest 11 but if it's one that Thomas Tuchel looks at and think you know what I fancy the Carabao Cup I'll go and put my best players on the pitch they are they're better than Southampton's and yeah, I, I don't think you can really add too much kind of analysis or, or thought on than what Steve said that you know this tie will ultimately depend on what Chelsea do. But you know, if Chelsea kind of don't have their eye on the ball for whatever reason, then you know the, the players that will come into the team, you'd like to think that you know that's their their opportunity to put a stake and to get into the starting eleven at Watford. So that that's the good thing. And I also think, and I put this to Ralph yesterday from the embargoed section of the, the kind of Carabao Cup that yeah, I think a cup run is actually quite important for this squad simply because of the players that he's now leaving out of the team and if all of a sudden they go out to Chelsea those players you're, you're kind of your Kyle Walker-Peters Moussa Ginopo and other you know that they're going to be out of the team until what maybe the FA Cup or when it gets a bit busy over Christmas you know it, it's okay kind of at the moment they're probably playing enough to kind of keep them happy. And, you know, they've got the cup where, okay, they know they're probably going to be starting against Chelsea, but you take that away from them, then it just adds a different kind of dynamic that Ralph's got to manage, you know, to try and keep people happy when they've lost a key part of when they were going to be playing. Yep, yep, that makes perfect sense. And uh, I I was going to ask um, Glenn, sort of, there's always this, they, they they always talk very respectfully about each other, Tuchel and, and Ralph, but you get the feeling that they both clearly want to beat each other as well. There's that that sort of friendly rivalry almost. So do you think the 
bearing in mind they have just beaten us 3-1, that Ralph might have a little bit more incentive and might think about playing a, a slightly stronger side to try and win the game? Um, I don't know. I, I think managers tend to put that to put that kind of thing aside. I mean, I think Ralph will, will pick a team for Watford and then work backwards. Who, uh, yeah, whoever's yeah. not in that will probably play against uh, against Chelsea. But uh, interestingly, I was just looking at Chelsea's lineup for that game that you were talking about. It was against quite Aston. strong. Yeah, yeah Reese James, Chilwell, Kante, Loftus Cheek, Saul, Hudson Odoi, Ziek. So it's not bad, is it? You know, um, so if they put out a side anything like that, it's 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 going to be a tough game. But uh, yeah, there does seem to there does seem to be a little bit of a of an extra rivalry between uh, uh, Ralph and uh, and Tuchel in the in the same way that there is with um, with Jurgen Klopp, I guess. But uh, but yeah, they've uh, those the other two managers have got slightly better resources than we've got. <laughs> I know, I know. So all right, well, we're not going to do overall predictions. We'll do them for Watford. But uh, Steve, come on, let's put you on the. Uh, on the on the, the sort of uh, mantelpiece here, do you reckon Saints are gonna get through or not? Um, probably not. Um, I think we'll probably just be edged edged out two uh, one possibly. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, once Chelsea's out of the way, Saints make the thirty mile or so further trip to Watford for next weekend's Premier League match. Um, what have you made of Watford so far this season, Dan? Yeah, <laughs> Watford have kind of been Watford, haven't they? <laughs> um, and that result uh, against Everton, I. You know, I was kind of tracking that score and couldn't quite. It was like, um, you know, eleven, and then all of a sudden five two, and I was like, "Blimey, what happened in the kind of final few minutes there?" But yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, it's just kind. Of, I mean, that that's Watford all over, isn't it? They do this to try and get a manager bounce. That that's that's what they do all over. And you know, I think you know, would you be surprised if it didn't work out for Ranieri and they sack him in like two or three months' time to try and do that, like get that bounce again? Didn't have much but, of a bounce in his first game, did they? No, they didn't. But they, you know, they. You, know, you have to give credit. They they've just put five goals past Everton, which you know against the Benitez side isn't entirely too like. You know, that's a fairly good effort. I'd still like to think Southampton should have too much quality for them. Yeah, you know, I think Watford are kind of when I look at relegation this season, I kind of have Norwich and Watford as the two that will go down, and then the other ones a bit more up in the air. So I'd like you know it's a game that Southampton should win. It's a game they they have the players to win, but you just never quite know with Ranieri with. Watford, they're a weird club. They do weird things every now and then. So I actually can't call that game other than I think Southampton should have just about enough quality to, to beat them. Yeah. And as everyone will uh, will know, Steve, yeah, obviously they recently sacked uh, Cisco Munoz and replaced him with Claudio Ranieri. And Dan just mentioned that. I mean, going from losing sort of 5 0 last weekend to winning 5 2 this weekend, it's uh, crazy, really. I, I suppose I was going to ask from a sort of fan point of view. Obviously, we've got Dan's view as a journalist, but. Were you surprised with the decision to to sort of get rid of their other manager so early in the season? And were you subsequently rep- uh, sort of surprised by Ranieri's appointment? Um, no, no, I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, Watford, as as Dan said, Watford have this. They've always had this reputation, basically since the Pozzos um, bought the club and have kind of operated it in in a very sort of Italian way, really. In that they're they they've got no particular issue um, hiring and firing kind of on a on a bit of a whim when they when they see the the tide turning in in the wrong direction and yeah I mean other than um, I mean they they beat a absolutely pathetic Villa on the opening day and I think who else they beaten they beaten Norwich before they beat before they then won at um, Everton today so uh, yesterday sorry so yeah I, I don't think there was any particular shock that that Cisco got got the boot uh, Ranieri. I mean, he was he was available, and he'll be a popular choice for uh, for for a period of time. But I mean, we'll we'll see. Um, I mean, he's at the end of the day, he's, he's won a he's won a title in 
in this country. So he's got pedigree, but that's not really what Watford need. They need somebody who can battle against relegation and, I mean, obviously failed spec- pretty spectacularly at his last attempt. So... Yeah, we'll we'll um we'll see how see how that goes. But I mean they'll they'll be they'll be up for it. Um Saturday, obviously having having come off that fairly extraordinary second half at, at Goodison. Um I mean the, the level of booing from the home fans must have been off the scale. <laughs> um they love they love a good boo up there. But And they're I just wait they're just waiting to get a Benitez as yeah, well. They are. Yeah. yeah. Um but I th- I think I mean, as, as Dan said, we sh- we should still be good um, good enough to beat them. And I mean, basically, you gem- as a general rule, you keep Ismail uh, Saar quiet, and you 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 should have more than enough to beat them. Um, that's that's kind of the general general trend uh, for Watford in like their last two seasons in the top flight. That he's the key player. You stop him, you stop them from from creating anything serious. And as long as we Look, we've got a plan for that. Then I think we'll. I think we should be okay. Yeah. So maybe more must not lose than must win potentially. Um. Well, I mean, the problem is they're above us at the moment. So I think that I think it's one of the games we've got to look to try to win. If we put in a half decent performance and and only get a draw out of it for whatever reason, then okay, you, you kind of okay, sort of draw a line under it and move, and move on. But I think it's it's one that, that will have... I mean, certainly when the fixture list came out, you looked at this run of games. I mean, Leeds less so, but certainly Burnley, Burnley, Watford, Norwich as a run of three games is kind of almost exactly what you want to get yourself up, up and running for the season. And we've beaten Leeds, probably should have beaten Burnley. Um, so now if we can go and... If we can go and get wins against Watford and Norwich, then all of a sudden we're... I mean, you're probably knocking on knocking on the bottom end of the of the top half with I mean what would we what would we have then 14 points on the board so yeah I think all of a sudden everything has a completely different complexion on things when uh I say when if um if that happens yeah and Glenn alongside trying to find positives of course I always like to tempt him fate as well um as regular listeners will know um Saints are unbeaten in their last seven league visits to Watford including three wins the last one being that three one uh, a couple of seasons back um how do you see this one going? And I, I was going to ask, do you think the fact that we're playing Watford away rather than Watford at home is, is more of a positive because that, that potentially means that they have to come on to us and that will leave the gaps that we can hopefully exploit? Yeah, I mean, we've got to get our away form back, haven't we? We've got to win away from home sooner or later because we haven't done it for a while. And I think this is a very good opportunity to do that. You know, I think Watford are a ridiculous club. I, I can't be bothered with them, to be honest. Um, <laughs> they're the sort of club I never know anything about. Because everything changes, and I just can't keep up. I, di- I didn't even. I know Ranieri obviously when he took over. If you'd have asked me who their previous manager was before Ranieri, wouldn't have had a clue. <laughs> Honestly, not a clue. Because it, it's another, it's another random guy who's been around for six months, and then he's gone, and and that's it. You know, you, you look at some of their players. I mean, I watched I watched a match of the day yesterday. Saw their game against Everton. I mean, Everton were pathetic mm. second half. I mean. And Josh King looked like a world beater. And every time I've seen Josh King play, you know, against Saints or against anyone else, he, he has looked anything but a world beater. But um, so he's coming then. Yeah, I mean, he'll he'll obviously be, you know, have loads of confidence. They've got Sissoko in midfield, who is kind of immobile. But you know, if you if you let him run the game, he will run the game. So that that's a key battle as well. But uh, yeah, I think they, you know, they, their last home game, they got absolutely stuffed, didn't they? So they'll be looking to put a performance on for their home fans. They will see us as a game that they can certainly win. 
So, uh, yeah, hopefully um, we get the chance to play on the break a little bit and it, it should play into our hands a little bit. And we, we should be good enough to, uh, as, as Steve said, we should be good enough to win it. But um, I, I certainly don't see us losing this game. Yeah. And just as as we were kind of talking there, I mean, obviously they don't have a, a game midweek like we do either. I, I appreciate we'll probably be playing second string, but they are literally going to come into that game off the back of a 5-2 win, which in true Saints style is not exactly what we need. I don't think it, I don't think it really matters. We know they're going to be confident. We know they're going to be you know they're going to be up for it. And we also know they're going to have Craig Cathcart as centre half, who's absolute <laughs> garbage, and Ben Foster in goal, who's older than me. So you know it, it's they are what they are. If if we if we play well, we should beat them. But if 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 we're not up for it and don't do the basics right, same as the Burnley game, we, you know we'll, we'll struggle. But um, you know, I think the opening of the game is going to be very important because the, they're they're obviously going to be flying from uh, scoring four goals in ten minutes or whatever it was <laughs> against against Everton. So we we really need to start the game well. We could we don't need to be going one 0 down in five minutes, sort of thing. So uh, yeah, smashing. All right. Well, just before we do our predictions, we touched on it earlier. Then Dan, one boost for Saints will be the return of Captain James Ward Prowse from suspension. How or where, given Diallo has performed pretty well against Leeds and Watford, do you see Prousey fitting in? As before, do you think Ralph might have to tinker with things to potentially keep Diallo and Prousey on the side? Well, I, I think given how Ralph plays and the, the kind of two two midfielders, I don't think he plays Romeo, Diallo and Prousey. I think one has to give way, given that Prousey is the captain and you know he's kind of Mr. Southampton, Ralph's Ralph's mate and, and all of that. I I feel that he'll probably be the one that, you know, he'll come back into the team and Diallo will have to make way. But I kind of touched on this in a piece I wrote in the week. It, I think it would take a, a really brave call to drop Prousey simply because he does embody everything Hassan Hutter wants from his players on the pitch and he leads by example in, in that regard. But I think we've all seen Diallo just does add something completely different to the team. I really when like he, him. Yeah. When he plays, you know, he's, Ralph uses the word dynamic and that probably is the best word to use. I think for as good as, you know, for as good as Prousey and Romeo are, you kind of know... You know, you know what their strengths are, and you know what what their weaknesses are, and their strengths aren't. Well, Prousey's strengths in particular, he's not going to pick up the ball outside of his area, charge forward 30, 40 yards, lay off a pass. Now, I'm not saying Diallo does that often, but he's got that in his locker. I've seen it a few times. You know, he'll pick up the ball and he can carry it forward. And Ralph also mentioned that when I asked Ralph ahead of the the um, Burnley game, you know, what what does Diallo offer you that Oreo and Prousey can't? And he said carrying the ball forward. And I just think that's a really, for me, I you know I think it's so important for a team like Southampton to have that player that, you know, so it's not always so formulaic. You know, Southampton are very rigid in their structure. But if you've got a player that can do a little bit, something a little bit different from deep, then I just think it, adds, it will add so much value. And at, at the, the line I thought in my piece was really kind of it, you know, it's gonna, it would take a brave manager to drop Ward Prowse. You know, we could all sit here and say maybe it's the right thing. Well, no, I mean, let's not let's not say drop Ward Prowse because I think that that's that reflects negatively on Diallo. It would keep a, it would take a brave manager to to keep Diallo in the team when their captain is fit and and ready uh, and not suspended anymore. So, but Ralph's paid to make these calls, and if Diallo is going to offer Southampton, you know, more of a threat going forward, and you know, will help unlock doors, or and it's just as good at doing the other midfield stuff that Prowse does then ultimately Ralph's paid good money to make that call and captain or not, that's a call that he, he should make if he feels it will better the team. Whether he will or not, I don't know. 
Mm. So your prediction and Dan ahead of the predictions is what Diallo out, Prassi probably back in. My 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 guess, and this is just kind of a guess, would be that I'd I'd, I'd be surprised if Prassi doesn't start that game, which is a very politician's answer because I'm not <laughs> it was very politician's out, but... <laughs> answer, but yes, fair enough. All right, cool. Well, let's get on with some uh, match predictions for that trip to Watford. Then uh, I can't. Obviously, I've been listening the last few weeks. You've all sounded relatively positive, so I think uh, both you, Glenn and uh, Steve, went for wins against Burnley. So uh, yeah, how are we going to get on at Watford then, Glenn? Uh, oh, that's a difficult one. Um. Seeing as soon as I'm, I'm actually going to the game, um, I'm going to be positive about it and I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Have you been to Vicarage Road before? Yeah, back in the 80s. Yeah. Um, I've not been for a long, long time um, yeah. and we got beat then. <laughs> I think the last time I went, Lewis Boamorte scored twice when we lost 3-2. I think that was, might Jeez, have been that was Steve in, or no, Steve Wigley? 20 possibly? years ago. No, that yeah. was under Dave Jones. Oh, was it? There you go. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't very good, but uh, there we go. I think it was like Boxing Day or something like that. But, yes, uh, it was. There we, we go. Had, Steve? Yeah, back, back in the day where they gave you the whole end. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, so there we go. But, uh, yeah, what do you reckon then, Steve? Um, yeah, I just think we'll, we should just be too good for them. 2-0. Uh, 2-0. Crikey, a rare clean sheet, eh? Uh, Dan? I'll go 1-0. Southampton. Excellent. All right, I'm going to be moderately uh, positive because obviously I can't come back on the pod and predict this to lose. So I'm going to go for a uh, very, very positive Stanfield two-all draw. This is the Total Saints podcast, proudly underpinned by our TSP patrons. Well, that's it for this week's pod. Thank you for listening to the four of us. Hopefully, I've not let Martin down too much. Thankfully, for everyone's benefit, he'll be back again next week. Glenn, Stephen, Dan, appreciate your time and view as always. Before we go, a shout out to our Matt Letizier, TSP patrons, Colt Baker, Ed Busy, Phil Cook and Dave Ernsberger. Likewise to Nick Reed, our Francis Benali patron. Big thanks to you guys and all our global patrons for the ongoing support of this pod. If you'd like to get in contact with TSP to relay any feedback, questions or comments, you can contact us via email, totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com. The social media handle is Total Saints Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. You can visit our website, totalsaints.co.uk or YouTube site. Just look up Total Saints Podcast. You could even become a TSP patron via Patreon, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Podcast where we have four tiers to choose from, ranging from £5 per month to £20. All support is always welcomed and appreciated. Right, until next time, TSP listeners, keep marching in. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, 
let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.